Shelter 
Place erupted with praise. Can you hear? 
towards heaven. And if you believe that, let's sing this song one more time. And let's ask God's Spirit to break out in us 
so that the kingdom of God can be built in our community, in our city, in our land, in our schools, in our, in our nation. Come on, would you lift hands towards heaven and let's sing this to God. Then revival. We want to see your kingdom here. Come on, with all you got, let's declare it. We want to see your kingdom here. King Jesus, you're the name we're lifting high. Your glory shaking up the earth and Jesus, that God, you'd bring healing power into this room. I thank you that first service, when I prayed this prayer, there was a gentleman in the second row that his foot was killing him, and immediately he was healed. God, would you do it again? God, would you do it again right now in this room? God, we declare cancer to be gone. Lord, we declare ligaments to be aligned right now in the name of Jesus. God, we command pain to go in the powerful name of Jesus. God, you spoke the world into existence, and God, you can speak one word into our bodies, and everything is different. And so, Lord, today, God, we lift up siblings, we lift up loved ones, God, we lift up those that are in local hospitals, that, God, that you would bring healing into this place. In the name, in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And somebody said amen. Come on, can we give God a huge praise this morning? Come on, he's good. Amen. Man, listen, you are... In for a treat today. It has just been so good, even worshiping God. Pastor preached the house down this first service. I'm excited. He told me, he said, I'm going to do a five minutes shorter. I said, Pastor, man, just, just go. It was awesome. And uh, you're in for a treat this morning. Uh, before you're seated, can you get outside of your aisle and say hello to a couple people right around you? Give some high fives. Awkwardly greet your spouse like you don't know her. It's funny.
Good morning, second service. Welcome everybody to City Church this morning. How are you guys doing today? It is Pastor's birthday bash. It's nice and festive outside. Some balloons. He is turning, you'll find out later, 27 years old today. Happy birthday, Pastor. If you are here for the very first time, my name is Miranda, and I just want to say welcome. You are our VIPs this morning at City Church. We love you, and and our ushers are making their way forward right now with one of these welcome brochures. If you are a first-time guest and you have not gotten one of these yet, go ahead and raise your hand, and our ushers are going to bring one to you. We have a gift we want to put in your hand right outside at the Welcome Center just for being here for the first time. So any first-time guests who do not have one of these welcome brochures, go ahead and raise your hand, and the ushers will bring one of those right to you. And if you are here for the second or third time, or you are a current member of City Church, go ahead and pull out that blue connection card in the seat pocket in front of you and fill it out as you check out this video. City Church, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to City Church, we're glad you're here. Welcome to City Church, we're glad you're here. I'm Paula, your next step tour guide. Please join me as we go through the next steps. At 8 p.m. this Saturday, we begin 24 hours of prayer. You can sign up for a time slot on the wheel outside. Then on Sunday, June 8th, at 6 p.m., we close out the 24 hours with a night of worship. Childcare is provided for birth to four years of age. If you'd like to learn more about City Church, where we came from, and where we're going, join us at our membership seminar on Sunday, June 15th at 10 a.m. Register on your connection cards. We are so excited for what we've got in store for Sunday, June 22nd. After a fun family service, we're going to the new Smyrna Beach. How fun would it be to spend a day at the beach with your church family? For details, check out your bulletin. We'll also be baptizing people that day. If you'd like to be baptized at the beach, register on your connection card. For more information, check out your bulletin or visit us at orlandocitychurch.com. In case you need them, the bathrooms are located in the back of the main auditorium and wheelchair accessible restrooms are located just outside the City Kids building. And if you have questions, we have answers. Just find anyone wearing a City Church name tag, and they'll be more than happy to help. Thanks for being our guest, and have a wonderful day. Also, don't forget to stick around after service as we celebrate Pastor Eugene's birthday with some cake and some of his favorite foods. Happy birthday, Pastor Eugene. Feliz cumpleaños. Amen. Can we put our hands together and thank God for the opportunity to give this morning? Um, so thankful that God does not uh, make us robots, but that we we are freely able to give uh, to Him. Uh, Ursus are coming forward at this time, and as you are preparing to give, I want to give you this month's scripture verse found in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. And let you know there are many ways that you can give here at City Church and give online at orlandocitychurch.com. You can also use the offering envelope that's right in front of you. And this is a fresh, month, uh, fresh verse. If you don't know, we typically try to focus on one verse for a month, and maybe by the end of it, we might actually memorize it. So let's start this thing off strong, second service. Let's read it together. Y'all with me? All four of you. All right, so let's do this thing. We'll just preach to everybody else. Here we go. You ready? Here we go. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. You know, the context of this verse is actually giving to the poor. And, uh, you know, every single week when we give here, do you know that 10% of every dollar uh, goes right out of our, ch- our local church and, and, and goes to missionaries, it goes overseas, and uh, we are supporting dozens of missionaries today. Also, I don't know if you know this, but we have a, a food pantry 
that we give out free food every single week to those that are in need. I want you to know that when you give today, you are fulfilling this verse. When you give today, we are giving to those that are in need. But can I challenge you even to take it a step further? Um, this week, when you see somebody in need, maybe you've got, maybe you're just here and you've gotten in a habit of just kind of letting that go by. I encourage you, if you're able to do something, do something. Whatever it is, let's make sure that we help those that are in need. Because Christ has helped us in our spiritual need. Amen. And so we just have an open heart for that. Amen. Let's pray over our offering. Let's ask God to bless it today. Father, thank you, God, for the gifts and the giver today. And God, I thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to give to you. And Lord, I know that we're taking a youth camp uh, offering later this afternoon or later at the end of the service. But God, right now, Lord, we just uh, we give you our tithe. And God, we ask you to multiply it and uh, bless it in Jesus name. Amen. Good morning. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) Come on, amen. We are so honored to have you with us today. And uh, guys, thank you. Try to help me out. I've got a little bit of an echo here. Hey, it's been a great week of celebration. Uh, I went to five high school graduations this week. I wanted to say happy graduation to all of our graduates. Amen. We had a lot of fun. And I had a little mission. Uh, you know, I've been to a lot of graduations over the year, and, and many at times I just sit there, you know, and it's enjoyable, but I really am kind of waiting for it to get over. But this time I said, I'm going to do something to keep myself occupied. So I, I found, I got the little bulletins out, and I figured out which ones were our kids that were coming through, and I made my way down to the front, and I took pictures. And uh, so it just kind of gave me a purpose at a graduation celebration, and it was a lot funner. You know, it's a lot funner to do something when you go to one of those things and just sit there and watch but it was a great, great week. Hey, we had just an awesome worship set. And our worship team, they work very, very hard. We have an 18-year-old girl by the name Miranda who leads the team. And uh, they, come on, they played, they played three times. They played three times. They practiced Wednesday, played three times. They had practice Friday night. They'll play three times today. Some of the team also is involved in another ministry on Thursday night. So they're playing seven or eight times every single week. Can we just tell them thank you? Come on, they're doing a great job. And I get to see myself today on the big screen. I kind of like it. I turn around and kind of get a shot of the back there. That's the thing. That's what that looks like, that glare coming off the back there. Uh, thank Tom for all of his work in the sound booth and the tech team. They've done a great job. I do want to mention the reason we celebrate my birthday, and Pastor Glenn's going to make this clear in just a little bit, but the reason we do this is so that we can give the gift of camp. And uh, you're going to hear from a young person at the end of the message today who's been radically ch- touched and changed by it. And uh, tomorrow, right here at City Church, we start our own summer camp. And uh, our summer camp goes all uh, summer long for uh, elementary age students. So if you have your Bibles, without further ado, I want you to turn to Ruth chapter 1. We're in, in chapter 9 of the story. We're in chapter 9 of the story. We're following along. There's 31 chapters in this book. This is the Bible. It's... Uh, there are some parts of it that have been left out, not to, not to nullify the word, but just to kind of make the story condensed. And the, the titles and the, the, the chapter verses and 
that kind of thing, have been taken out. And so you just have the story of the Bible. And this week, this week, we're on the faith of a foreign woman. Last week, Pastor Glenn, he talked to us about the time of the judges, the dark ages of the Old Testament. He laid out the problem that was taking place in that generation, the problem that God had brought his people into the promised land. And that wasn't a problem. That was a blessing. It was the fulfillment of his purpose for their life. But when they entered the promised land, the place of rest, their hearts turned from God. And they began to serve other gods. And they began to just live for themselves. And, and they had no king. And they, wanted, they lived anywhere they wanted to live. And because of that, God removed his hand of blessing. And they found themselves in a place of oppression. They found, themselves, they found themselves being harassed by the enemy. And experiencing defeat on every side. And after the many defeats, their hearts then turned back to God. They cried out to the Lord in repentance. And then God had mercy. He forgave them. He brought them to a place of rest. And we see that cycle over and over. 21 different judges. We see that cycle over and over and over. And our story today is in the midst of one of those cycles. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ruth chapter 1. And I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Ruth chapter 1. And we're going to read the first chapter this morning. Ruth chapter 1. And the Bible says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the, two of, the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. Now, let me help you here today. If you ever have kids, if you're still in the childbearing age and the children are in your future. Do not name your children Malon and Killian. Okay? Just make that promise. You know what their names mean? Sickness and disease and death. All right? So uh, you don't want to name your kids sickness, disease, or death. Everyone said amen. All right. So they had two sons. They married. <clears throat> but now, Emelik's Naomi's husband died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there for almost 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Everyone say bummer. This is a place of bummer in her life. Now, kind of let a little side note. This is another freebie here. This name Orpah, it was actually supposed to be Oprah's name. But the lady that signed her midwife, who signed her birth certificate, didn't know how to spell Orpah. And she wrote Oprah. And the rest is history. That's all for free there. Just going to throw that out to you. Number six. When Naomi heard of Moab that the Lord had come down to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she turned and her daughter-in-law is prepared to return from home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Now Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. Everyone, no. And said to her, we will go back with you and your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? 
No, my daughters, it's more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. As the, at this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back to you. Turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and I will be buried and I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even in death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Here's my big idea. By faith, God's people fulfill his purpose, although it's messy and tricky. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your great grace. I thank you for your mercy that's upon us today. Lord, I thank you that we can come together as a a people who worship you. We thank you for what you're doing in this community and this city. And today, Lord, I lift up our sister church, Riverwalk Riverwalk Church of God. I pray for Pastor West and Yolanda Tanskali, Lord. I pray that you will bless them. I thank you for every church in this community that proclaims the goodness of Christ. And God, we ask that your hand be upon them. Lord, even today, Lord, I thank you for those that have come here. And under the sound of my voice, I pray that your blessing would be with them. Give them spiritual ears to hear and give me a mouth to proclaim your truth. God, we bless us today. We bless your people in your awesome and wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. My first assignment, my first assignment in preaching and ministry, I've been a Christian for two months. Actually, my first assignment is I shared my testimony. And, and when I shared my testimony, God used it in a powerful way. Many young people came to Christ. But my first kind of preaching assignment, I've been a follower of Jesus for about two months. <laughs> two months, and my youth pastor decided to go on vacation. And he thought I was the most, most spiritual guy in the group because I had some fire in me. He handed me a book, and he said, I want you to teach on Christian dating. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Christian dating. I don't know anything about Christian dating. And he said, oh, you can do it. Just read the book, and God will help you. And I remember I got up there, and I had no clue what I was teaching, what I was saying. But I learned over the next coming years that there was a lot to learn about seeking the will of God for the right person. I, 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 I threw my mistakes and things that I, I did that weren't quite right, and I realized that God really had the right person for my life. And so I was at Bible college, and, you know, when you go to Bible college, some people call it bridal college. And, and listen, if you're a Bible college student, it's a great place to find a wife. It's where I found my wife. And the school that I went to was called Portland Bridal College. And there were a lot of young available men and women at this school. And so I remember going there. And, you know, in that single mode where you kind of, like, you always wonder, is she the one? Now, I never said, is he the one, because I never planned on marrying a man. But, uh, and so I would always say, you know, some girl walked through the door, is she the one? Is she the one? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about today? All the single people said amen. All right, and you kind of get in that mode. You always wonder, could they be the one? Could they be the one? And, and so I, I knew God was really wanting me to get serious about this area of my life. I couldn't do it like I used to do it. I couldn't play around. I couldn't mess with people's heads. I, I couldn't let them mess with my heads. And so I began to seek the Lord. I really began to seek the Lord for the right person he had for my life. And I remember I was, I, I, I was kind of, you know, there's a couple of girls out there. And every year our school would do this great big kind of like 
like a Thanksgiving banquet thing for all the students, and, and that would be a place where guys could invite girls, and a lot of divine connections took place at that little banquet. And, and so there was a young lady, that you know, a couple of young ladies that I, I was kind of interested in. And so I remember this one girl that, you know, she played the piano. She was kind of perfect pastor's material. She played the, pa- the piano, and she could sing, and she's part of the travel team there. And, and so I, I thought, I'll ask her. And we had been friends for a little while, and I remember I went out, and, and we went down to the, the, the uh, yogurt shop. They even actually had yogurt shop back in the 80s, hard to believe. They, they did. Even back when Moses was around, they had yogurt shops. And, and so I, I, we went down to the yogurt shop, got some yogurt, and on our way back, we came, and we parked, and she had kind of got word that I was in, and I asked her out. And uh, so I remember thinking, you know, I was gonna, I'm trying to get the guts up to ask this young lady out for this banquet and trying to get the nerve up and and I remember she started talking, and she kept talking, and she kept talking and talking and talking and talking and talking, and she kept crying and whining, and it was it was a Charlie Brown moment for me. All I could hear the teacher in the background was wah 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 wah, and something inside of me said, "No way am I going to go to the banquet with this girl. No way." I said, no way, I can't do it. I got up, and, and I, I could tell that she was disappointed because she was waiting for the big question. You know, I could tell that she was kind of disappointed, and, but I went on, and, and I said, okay, God, who do you want me to ask? And I had been friends with a couple other girls, but there was this one girl that I was really kind of sweet on, but, but she, I didn't think she was that sweet on me, and, and so I went to praying. And a matter of fact, I prayed and I fasted for three days. I asked the Lord, I said, God, is she the one? I sought the Lord. I said, God, is she the one? Is she the one? Is she the one? And I prayed. And, and I remember one day we were walking to chapel, and I was walking alongside this young lady. And, and she said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing good. She, says, uh, she said something to me, and we were fasting or something. And I said, well, I said, yeah, I'm fasting. And, and she said, uh, are you fasting about me? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't do that. And after three days, I got the nerve up. And I asked this young woman, would she go to the bank with me? She said, yes. And 26 years later, we're still together. Come on, give God a big hand. The fact is, it was, you know, our lives have twists and turns, and it's seldom easy. When we look at the time of Israel, when we look at this story, it's an amazing story because this story sets in the midst of a, a time of great darkness. This story, there's actually parallels and contrast to what was taking place in the, into Israel's history during this generation. You see, they were involved in all kinds of debauchery, and for this cycle had gone on for 400 years. And in the midst of us, in the midst of this, God wants to show us that He has a people. God has a people who will live a life of faith. When we look at this story, some have called it the chick flick story of the Bible or the Cinderella story of the Bible because it's really almost too real to be true. It's amazing what happens with this Gentile woman who is a Moabite who had no inheritance, who had no inheritance with the people of Israel, how God brought her in and grafted her and used her for a greater purpose. There are so many things about this story that when we look at it, we see the grace of God in an amazing way. You see, this story reminds us that God works through our trials. God works through our troubles. God works through our sufferings. God works through the, through the pain and the suffering of our life. Ultimately, ultimately for our good, but ultimately for His glory. 
You see, the purposes of God will be accomplished in our life because the goal of God in every generation is to make the name of Jesus famous. When we look at this first chapter in the first couple of verses, I want you to see that God's grace is still at work in our lives, even in times of famine. Even in times of famine. Famine, almost every single time that's mentioned in the Bible, famine is a result of the punishment or the discipline of God. The discipline of God, almost every time. And especially when the children of Israel were experiencing it. You see, God told them, listen, guys, I love you. I bless you. I'm going to take you to a promised land. You're going to inhabit houses that you didn't build. You're going to take over crops that you did not plant. You're going to be the head and not the tail. I'm going to provide everything that you have need of, and you are going to be a blessing to the nations. You see, the promise that God made to Abraham is that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And when we look at this story, we see it was a time of famine. I want you to look at verse number one with me. It says, in those days when the judges ruled, when the judges ruled, the Bible says that every man did what was right in his own eyes. There was a famine in the land, so a man from Bethlehem. Everyone say Bethlehem. You know, little town of Bethlehem. The town of Bethlehem literally means the place of bread or the place of abundant bread. That's what it means. It means abundant bread or the place of plenty. But there was not plenty. There was not abundance of anything. And because of this famine that was taking place in the land, this man, Elimelech, decides that he's going to go to a place called Moab. Now, Moab in the Bible was a spiritually desolate place. The children of Moab were the great descendants of a man by the, the name of Lot. Lot had impregnated his daughters uh, through, uh, uh, through incest, and he produced a line of children who became the Moabites. And these Moabite people were wicked people. They did the practices of pagans and, and the things that, that people who don't know God, people who live for themselves, all kinds of sexual bondages and things in their life were taking place. And for generations and generations, they had practiced the art of human sexuality and perversion. That's what the place of Moab was. And when this man, this spiritual man, this man who was to be a godly man, when famine came, rather than turning towards God, he turned towards the world. This place of abundance, this place of abundance was a place of lack. And immediately we see this personal failure turn to a bad decision. You see, I want you to hear this today. This man, this man, Elimelech, made a decision. To go to Moab. He was just going to go there for a little while. He was going to take his wife and his two sons. But when he got there, his sons found them two wives. They were Moabite women. One was Naomi, one was Ruth, and the other one was Orpah. Everyone say Ruth. Everyone say Orpah. Now the challenge was is that when they were there, they stayed there longer than they intended. Uh, they were there longer than they'd ever planned on. You know, the fact is today, you are right where you at because of the decisions that you made yesterday. The decisions of your life determine your destiny. Every decision leads to another decision, which leads to another decision, which leads to another decision. And you are not where you are today by coincidence or by accident. The fact is today, you are where you are today spiritually in your relationship with God and your relationships with other people because of decisions that you've made. This man, Elimelech, he made a decision to go to Moab and he stayed there way longer than he had planned. 
You know, the old Alaskan highway says, choose your rut carefully because you'll be in it in the next 95 miles. The fact is today, the places and the things that we do and go, the choices that we make have an impact on our life. One choice leads to another choice for the good and for the evil. And in the first five verses, we see that when these, when Elimelech went down there with his two sons, after 10 years, he died. He died. It's, it's a bummer. Things aren't going well. There's famine in the land. Naomi has lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. Life is hard. It's difficult. She's experiencing suffering emotionally, spiritually. She's not right with God. As we look at this, we, 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 I, I see so many parallels in people's lives. So many times people will, make, people will make decisions about going to a certain place or taking a certain job or getting involved in a certain relationship because they, they think it's the right thing to do. But the fact is the right thing or the wrong thing at the right time is still always the wrong thing. He thought it was the right thing. But just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads So he goes to this place called Moab. Things turn bad for he and his family. And now there's great, not only is there great famine, but there's great sorrow and there's great suffering. In verse number six, we see Naomi. She hears that there's bread back in Bethlehem. Now Naomi makes a decision. Hey, you know what? It's time to go back home. It's time to go back home, but she's got a problem. She's got two daughter-in-laws. And in Hebrew culture and Jewish culture, she was still responsible for them. They were her daughter-in-laws, and they had property back in, back in Bethlehem. They had land. They had possessions that they still had ownership of. And the fact, that the, fact the way that God had planned it is that once a person got married, the inheritance, inheritance would pass on to them and to their children. These two women didn't have any kids. They didn't have any children. And so we see this frustration in Naomi's life. She decides she's going to go back. If you read through the rest of this chapter, you'll actually see Naomi get so frustrated with her life, she calls or she changes her name from Naomi, which means pleasant one, to Mara, which means bitterness. Bitterness of heart. That's the way she saw her life. She was embittered. She was frustrated with the things that had happened to her. Life wasn't fair. It just didn't make sense. It was unjust. She actually started to blame God for her problems. God God's against me. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care. God's hand is against me. She began to speak those things out of her mouth. Now, I, you know, I look at Naomi's life, and the one thing that I see about Naomi, the fact is she did make it real. She made it real. She was expressing her heart. She was expressing where she was at, and the fact is she was in a bad place. But God not only has famine, God not only has failure, God not only sees the frustration, but God also sees the faith of this one Gentile girl. This one Gentile girl. She was loyal. She was dedicated. She was a, she was what we call a panoramic view of what God desired for his people to be. God, when he looked down for heaven, God, he saw this woman. She wasn't even of the tribe of Israel. She was a Moabite. She came from the wrong group of people. But there was something in her heart that was dedicated to the ways of God. And she tells Ruth. She says, Ruth, where you go, I will go. 
Where your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. When you die, I'm going to be by your side. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the end of my life. She was an example of a, a person who truly loved. You see, Orpah, Orpah also said she loved Naomi. When push came to shove, Orpah loved her old life more than she loved following the purposes of God. You see, Orpah, they both cried. Orpah, Naomi, and Ruth, they're all, they love one another. They're crying and bawling and, oh, we love you. We're going to go with you. We're going to go with you, Naomi. But Orpah decides to go back, and Ruth goes with her. The fact is you have a choice to make in life. God gives you a choice. You can move forward into his purposes, or you can go back. You can go back to the way that you live, the way that you think is right, the way that you think is acceptable. You can go back to that, and God gives you that freedom. But Ruth made a choice. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, we see God displaying his goodness through this woman, Ruth. Because this is what I want you to hear today. Here's the good news of the story. God's favor works for those who believe. God's favor works for those who believe. I want you to look at chapter 2 with me, verse number 1. The Bible says, Naomi 